the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Today we're going to look at one aspect of that management dimension. I want to talk to you about how to manage your personal finances. Now, sometimes people say, well, a pastor's going to talk about money today. Yes, he is. This is about the only time this year that I will talk about money, but I am going to talk about it. Why? Because the Bible talks about it. Okay. If you haven't read your Bible, you, you, you will not realize that the Bible talks a lot about this thing called your money and how you manage it, how you resource it in your life. How you manage every resource says a lot about your relationship with God, including how you manage your personal finances. This is clearly in the book of Proverbs. Take a look at what it says here. We're only into the third chapter of the book of Proverbs when Solomon brings up this issue. He says, honor the Lord with your your material resources, with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now remember back in those days, it was an agrarian society, and so the way that you bartered, you bought and sold was through the crops that you were able to produce. And so obviously he's talking about your sustenance in life. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. We'll come back to that later of all your crops. Then, notice this, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God says, I'm concerned about how you manage your finances. I want you to honor me with your wealth. Everybody say, honor the Lord. What are we, we always talk about the value of honoring God, do, do we not, in so many areas of life. But notice that this particular passage says that we're to honor God with what? With our wealth, with our financial resources, whatever they might be. Proverbs 11, verse 4, from the message paraphrase, gives us another little idea about this. A thick bankroll is no help when life falls apart. But a principled life that is one built on the principles of God's word can stand up to the worst. And so you want to build your life on the principles of God's word. So the question that I want to try to answer today to the best of my ability is how do we honor God with our material wealth? How do we honor God with our material possessions? We'll look at things for these next few moments together. The first thing that we must do is to love God and people and not things. That's where it all starts. If you're going to manage or honor God well with your wealth, you have to realize that some things are truly important and valuable and other things are not so. And we're to love God and love people and not love things. That's a clear description in Scripture. That's the only way that we can truly honor God. We must have the right orientation toward money. Let me say something in the beginning here so you'll understand where I'm going with this message today. Understand that the Bible never teaches that money is evil. Money is not evil. There's nothing evil about money. Okay? 
Not a single thing evil about money. Money does a lot of great things. Can I get an amen? Okay. Money builds hospitals and money uh, takes care of orphans and money does all kind of money allows churches to operate. Money does all kind of phenomenal, wonderful, philanthropic things and benevolent things. There's nothing inherently wrong with money at all. So the Bible does not teach that money is a bad thing. The Bible teaches that the love of money is a bad thing. It's when you fall in love with something that is meant to be used instead of loved, then you get into trouble with your life. And so nothing wrong with money. The issue is what orientation do you have toward it? And if you're not careful, you and I can make money or we can make things our God. We may not physically bow down to them and we may not physically give allegiance to them, but we do give our focus and we give our energy to that dimension of our life far beyond what it deserves. And this is called something, I'm going to write on the board here, this is called when you and I are giving the wrong attention to things instead of God and people or money rather than God and people, here's the disease we have. It's called this. It's an ism. What is it called? Materialism. That's what it's called. That's what materialism is defined as. So let's do a little checkup today to see if any of us are suffering from the disease of materialism. I pray that we're not, but it's always good to do a little checkup, right? So let's take, let's take a look and see. I'm going to give you some characteristics of someone who's materialistic. Here's a check. Here we go. Your happiness is tied to things. Can I ask you today, is your happiness tied to the stuff of your life? A lot of people have this mindset that I'll be happy when I have fill in the blank. And so their happiness is linked to the next thing they're going to get. Now, you probably have lived long enough to realize that stuff will never make you happy because as soon as you get one thing, it's just a matter of time before that thing is out of date and you need something else to replace that thing or it wears out. And there's an ongoing cycle that will keep you unhappy or discontented in your life. But people are materialistic when their happiness is tied to things. Another characteristic. Your self-worth is attached to things. The status symbols of life, they become very important to a materialistic person. I'm not going to take time to outline for you all the different status symbols, but some people get their sense of identity and their sense of worth from the things they have or the possessions or positions they have in life. And so these external symbols of success make them feel valuable and secure. And so if your external things are the things that are making you feel valuable and secure, what happens when those things go away? You lose your sense of value and security, which is a very dangerous place to live. Here's the third characteristic of a materialistic person. You find it hard to genuinely rejoice in others' blessings. If you're materialistic, if somebody else gets more than you, it's not exactly the praise the Lord that you want to say. And you're like, you know, it's like. So if you struggle when somebody else gets blessed, well, why wasn't I blessed? They seem to always be blessed. Why does my neighbor get everything in their lives? Why do I not get stuff in my life? And so we oftentimes get focused and we, we spend our time competing with other people and comparing ourselves with other people. And so because of that, we can't share the joy in somebody else's blessing. So you and I need to be able to rejoice when your neighbor is blessed. As I heard it one time said, if your neighbor is blessed, rejoice because it means God's in the neighborhood. 
Okay. Okay. Amen. Okay. okay. Amen. Okay. So you rejoice. You rejoice in the reality that yes, there's a God doesn't just have one pie in heaven and only certain people get a slice. No, God has a bakery in heaven. He has enough for everybody. But if you find it hard to genuinely rejoice in others' blessings, there's a little sign there that you've got an ism. It's called materialism. Let me add one more thing before we go on to our next point. You can be poverty-stricken and still be materialistic. You may be as poor as Job's turkey and still have all these characteristics in your life. Okay? So it's not a matter of how much money you have or you don't have. It's how much the money has you in your life. This is materialism. And the Bible is very clear that we're to love God and love people and not love things. Amen? Very important. Let's go to the second point today. Here's your second point. If you want to honor God with your wealth, read it with me. Put God first in your finances. I'm going to give you a general principle of life. This will work in any area of your life. If you want to be blessed in any any area of your life, just put God first in that area. Really simple. You want to be blessed in your marriage? Put God first in your marriage. If you want to be blessed in your business, put God first in your business. If you want to be blessed in your job, put God first in your job. It's not complex. Just put God first because when you put him first, you're opening the door to blessing for your life. And so you have to learn to put God first. And God has designed a system that motivates us or moves us toward putting him first in our life. Let's go back to the book of Proverbs just for a moment. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Going all the way back to the time of Abraham, we see in the scripture something that was established as a way of of, of giving to God, and that principle is the principle called the tithe, okay? The word tithe in the Hebrew language is translated from a Hebrew word that means the tenth portion, or 10%, we might say, all it means is the definition of the word. You can't say, I'm going to tithe 2%. That's an oxymoron. You can't say, tithe means 10%. That's what the word means, okay? And so God established this, this concept of he says to us, the tithe belongs to me, the first 10%, not the second, but the first, the first 10% of everything that I bless you with belongs to me. You can read about this. You may want to write these references down in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse number 8. Read down through verse number 12. Jesus reinforces this in the gospel, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Some people say, well, the New Testament doesn't teach teach tithing. I would beg to differ with you. Jesus himself reinforced it in Matthew 23, verse 23. And so it's the first 10%. Why does God say, I want you to give me the first 10%. That belongs to me because he wants to get us on the pathway of giving because he knows giving is good for us. God's not interested in your money. He's not interested in my money. He's interested in your trust. He's trying to get you to trust him with your life. And so you know there's a practical trust to your life when you're giving up something from your life to the purposes of of God, putting God first in your finances. 
A few weeks ago, I talked about this in my own life and how I learned this principle as a little boy. My dad gave me my first allowance. He gave me the 10 pennies. And you know the story that I told you. It's been something that, by and large, I practiced my whole life. There may have been a few times when I was a teenager that I missed the mark on it. But by and large, I've made the decision to give God the first 10% of anything he's blessed me with. My wife and I have done this in our marriage for the years. By the way, we celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary yesterday. And so, can you believe it? Somebody put up with me for 45 years. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And you guys continue to pray for her. We're going to pray that she'll be able to do it till 50, okay? So, but uh, all the 45 years of our marriage before that time, first 10%, not the second 10%, God gets his first. Okay? Why? Well, because I wouldn't have anything apart from God. I trust you, God. And over the years, part of what God will do in your life is He begins to challenge you to move beyond just that. That 10% is just meant to get you started. Okay? Just to get you started. It's like, okay, let's see if we get this motor cranked up 10%. But then you learn that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You learn that God loves a cheerful giver and you begin to realize the joy of generosity in your life. And I will tell you, there's no greater joy than to be a giver, but you've got to put God first in that finance area of your life. And I like to give people this principle. I don't have time to talk about all of this today, but I talk about living life on the 10, 10, 80 principle. And the 10, 10, 80 principle is when we talk about your finances, the first 10%, where does it go? It goes to God, to his purposes. The second 10%, where should it go? Everybody say save. Because you're going to have a rainy day sometime. The tires are going to wear out on your car. Stuff is going to happen where you're going to need some extra money. We'll talk about that more in a moment. And then live off of the 80% of your income. Now, some of you are saying, well, there's no way that I could do that right now. Well, maybe you can't right now, but work toward that goal. Make that the goal of your life, saying, I've got to get to that point. That's a good, healthy way to begin a journey onto financial responsibility in your life. Now, over time, this can increase and this can decrease as you learn how to manage your money well. But the point being, get started started by putting God first in your finance. Why? Because any area where you want to be blessed, that's where you put God first. Not second or third, but first, okay? Are you ready for the third one today? How do you honor God with your wealth? This is going to be a good one. I'm getting a little kind of shuffling around here. Okay, let's just, okay. All right? Why don't we read it together? Welcome what? Welcome work. Our work habits have a lot to do with how blessed we become. That's just the truth. We have a work problem in our nation today. We have a work ethic problem in our nation today. Some of our younger generation, unfortunately, they're growing up with a lack of an understanding of the value of a work ethic. You know, this, this nation was built on work ethic. 
people who rolled up their sleeves and said, we're going to do something with our life. And God put you on this planet, not just to breathe the air, but to produce something of value with your life, to add value to the world in which you live. And you can add value in all kinds of different ways. There are many different professions that are represented and occupations that are represented in our church. And every one of them are significant and each of them are important. You add value through your work, but you're only adding value to through your work if you work well, if you are truly an efficient and effective worker in your life. Wake up every day of your life expecting to work hard and expecting God to bless your work. Every day of your life, I'm going to work to the best of my ability today, and I'm going to believe and trust that God is going to bless the work of my hands. Realize that that clock that is sitting beside your bed, it really is not an alarm clock. It's an opportunity clock. Okay. And when it sounds off in the morning, you can rise and whine, or you can rise and shine. Okay. And most of us rise and whine, oh, good Lord, it's morning again. This is terrible. I got to go to work. Or you can rise and shine. Thank you, Lord, for another day that I get to do something meaningful with my life. Thank you that there's a work that you've given me to do with my hands. Thank you that you've blessed me with some opportunities in my life. Lord, give me the energy to give the best that I can to the purposes before me today. And I'm believing that you'll bless the work of my hand today for the glory and the honor of your name. I'm here to serve of you through my work, God. Work hard. Work hard. The Bible says a lot about diligence and our labor. It's a prerequisite for blessing in your life. You can't be lazy and expect to be blessed. Can I get an amen right there? Okay. You sit back all day. Oh, God, send me the blessing. I'm sleeping in until one o'clock, but Lord, I know by two the the mailman's coming and there'll be a check in the mail. No, I'm telling you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Why don't you read this with me? Wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from. Wealth from what? What kind of work? I'm here to tell you work is hard. It's not always easy, but that's the way it grows over time. That's the way to experience blessing in your life. I'll tell you something else about work. Work is valuable in so many different ways. And by the way, you can work in a lot of different ways. Some of you are maybe a stay-at-home mom. That's work, okay? Some of you are homeschooling your kids. That's work, okay? Whatever your work is. I'm not here to define what your work is, but something that you're doing productively with your life, that is your work. And one of the other side benefits of working hard is it actually increases your sense of dignity and your sense of self-worth. Again, it's one of God's pathways to blessing. Now, obviously, there's balance in this. You don't work. I'm not in any way encouraging all of us to become workaholics. I don't think we have to worry too much about that in in our culture. Uh, Sometimes there's issues that people have. But just think about it this way. I often teach people this in in some of the, uh, the classes that I do. Every person in your life, you need two things. You need a motor and a set of brakes. You never buy a car without motor or without brakes, right? You expect a car to have some motor, and you expect a car to have brakes, okay? Some people have brakes, but they don't have any motor. Always on the brake. 
Always taking a break, okay? Always time for a break. Amen? Don't look at your neighbor right now. Other people, all they have is a motor. Okay. But you don't need a motor or brakes or brakes or a motor. You need a, you need a motor that gets you up and motivated to do something with your life and the brakes that give you the opportunity to know how to stop when you need to stop and rest when you need to rest, which is valuable to our lives. But part of that motor is to work hard. I got to move on, all right? I got to go forward here. Here's our next one, number four. Can't see our time back there. There we go. Number four is live within your live within your means, okay? Now a means means your means. Okay? But that that was really amazing, wasn't it? It's pretty amazing. It? Means what you have, okay? Your means is your means, okay? You you've got stuff, you've got resources available to you, and your means are not the same as somebody else's means. They're different, and it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to have the same means that everybody else has. But the key is to learn how to live within your means. If you're going to live within your means, here's some things you have to do. You've got to know your means. That means you've got to stop and pay attention to how much money do I have coming in and how much money do I have going out. So I know, I know what my resource pool is. A lot of people don't even know. They're just like winging it every month. Okay? And so they don't really have a clear idea on where their expenses are or have a clear idea on what their income is. They know nothing about it. So they don't even know their means. They kind of know what their salary is, but they, don't, they spend without any sense of awareness of what that is. And by the way, your means does not include your credit card line. Okay. doesn't include that. Oh, I, have, I got a $10,000 credit line on my credit card. That's part of my means. No, it's not. That's not part of your means. Okay. Your means is your income versus your expenses, okay? And that's what your means are, okay? Second of all, establish a budget that reflects your means, okay? That means now that I know what my means are, I know what's coming in, I know my basic expenses. Some things are non-negotiable. You know you're going to have to pay your rent or whatever the case might be in terms of those basic bills you have every month. But you take a look at your budget. What, what's coming in and what am I obligated to in terms of going out? And so you need to have a budget. And by the way, this needs to be, I'll put it on in these terms, it needs to be on paper. I think you understand what I mean. It can be on a computer uh, spreadsheet or something where you know that it's written down. You can see clearly this is what's coming in and this is what's going out. So you have something to manage or something to reflect upon. Next thing is this. You got to find ways to create margin within your means. Okay. Now, this isn't, doesn't happen immediately. It takes some time for some of us because maybe we're in debt. We've got some obligations that we need to deal with. I'll talk about that more in just a moment. But you want to find ways to get some margin in your life. If I gave you a book and the book had words from one edge of the page all the way over to the other edge of the page and I told you to read it, you know what would happen to you? You could not, you would get stressed out trying to read that book because the book had no margins, okay? Margins give relief, okay? Margins is that extra fund you have that you've got tacked away somewhere for that moment that something comes up in your life where you need something extra and you didn't account for it in your budget, but it's there. And so you have relief because you have some, you have some margin. You're not spending out to the edges of your means, okay? 
Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.